Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about eight minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater program 415 in the series. It's August 24th. To my right is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. What's up? Hey, we have Ben Anderson producing our show tonight. What's up, Ben? How are you? Hi, guys. I'm doing all right. And he'll be here tomorrow night, too. You are correct, sir. We yeah. a big, it's a big weekend. We've got Ben on duty here. Yes, so we do. So we're happy to have you. And we have some classic radio shows for our listeners. Five episodes uh, between tonight and tomorrow night. We're going to start things off with Mr. and Mrs. North from 1953 Good Detective Adventure. Then it's the Cisco Kid from 1958. And then Mr. President. You get to guess who the president is. It's a uh, an event from a president's life, and it sort of uh, unfolds for you as we listen to it. And uh, you history buffs out there, try to guess who the president is. So that's coming your way tonight. We will be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going to play our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, and the celebrity is Lisa Kudrow. One of your favorites. Yeah, I like okay. her. I know you do. And we are going to be giving away two tickets to Mercury Theater show called Monty Python Spamalot. So that's pretty exciting as well. So, All right. Uh, we hope that uh, you'll call in and uh, win some theater tickets. And uh, we'll call her. We're going to go with caller number five. So you can call right now, 312-981-7200. Give Ben a call and we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. And we have David on the phone to play with us. Hi, David. How are you doing? I'm terrific. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to talk about Lisa Kudrow and win some tickets. How you doing, Carl? All right. Hi, David. Hi, Carl. All right. right. Here we go. Number one. Lisa Kudrow used to date Conan O'Brien. Real or ridiculous? (laughs) (laughs) Carl's laughing at me. Wow. I'm going to say real. Wow. Hmm. I, I think that's probably true. It is real. She wow. absolutely used to date Conan. Oh yeah. Oh my, yeah. My Did sound you effects. It? It's in my my uh, backpack over there. I'll get it for the next round. All right. I'm a little I'll disappointed. Have to do the sound effects myself. I'm I'm disappointed, but okay. I'll I'll help you do that. Number two, her rise to fame was her recurring role as a ditzy waitress Ursula Buffet on Everybody Loves Raymond. Real or ridiculous? Ridiculous. Re. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Which part? <laughs> Although, uh, um, you everybody are right. loves Raymond. It is ridiculous. She was definitely not an Everybody Loves Raymond, but she did start with that role, and it was on the show Mad About You, and that's wow. where she started that role. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Raymond program. Oh, it's a great I show. I know. It's a great show. <laughs> At number three, she made her first TV appearance on an episode of Cheers. Real or Ridiculous. Hmm. Don't say ridiculous. I'm going to go with real. It's real. Oh, man. Oh, I'm three for man. three. And uh, this is for you. Wah, wah. 
<laughs> oh, David, David, that's all right. You're a winner. You know what? You have won, and you got a great gift here because Mercury Theater Chicago presents the positively medieval satire Monty Python Spamalot. It's uh, opening August 30th, and Newsday calls Spamalot a holy grail of big, crowd-pleasing musical comedy. You can check it out at mercurytheaterchicago.com, but you've won two tickets. You are going to love it. It's a lot of fun. Mercury Theater does the best stuff, and that's a really fun show. So I hope you have a great evening there. Thank you, guys. Terrific. Thanks, David. Thank you. All right, buddy. All right, he's a big winner. And we have a text in line, folks, 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. Lisa reads them and then reads... uh, (laughs) I read them aloud for Carl. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of his reader. Yeah. But I read them with feeling. Well, she has the screen in front of her. (laughs) I have all of these other buttons and lights. You have the screen, too. Ben... Who has more buttons and stuff in front of him? Ben. Ben has more buttons. Well, Ben does. I'm talking about between Lisa and and I. Carl. (laughs) Carl, Carl, you probably have buttons in front of you you don't need to have in front of you. Right. There's a lot of buttons here. There's buttons you don't use. I can't do the text in. He just likes when I read to him because I read it with feeling. So if you write me a message with feeling, I'll read it that way. You read it with a smile in your voice. Sometimes. Sometimes (laughs) I'm not so happy, but most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Depends what they have to say. Yes. Well, you know what? We, We don't play Mr. and Mrs. North enough, in my opinion. It is one of the best detective shows they were like amateur detectives they were a married couple okay and they were publisher he was a big publisher and she was his beautiful wife and once a week for whatever reason they would stumble across a murder you know there was (laughs) they would go out to eat come home and there was a dead body in their apartment you know that happens all the time Yeah, that's pretty typical happen as well um and so what they would do is Solve, solve the, the crime. It solved the yeah. crime. Um, this uh, this characters, Mister and Missus North, were created by Francis and Richard Lockridge, um, and they were seen in uh, motion pictures, on television, heard on radio. They were in novels. Very very popular character. When it first came to radio in 1942, it had 20 million weekly listeners. Very very popular. And Joseph Curtin and Alice Frost originated the roles. Then later. Richard Denning, who played the husband uh, on My Favorite Husband, you know he was he was George um, George Cooper on that show, which you love, right? Well, he plays Mister North, and then Barbara Britton plays his wife, um, and it was uh, just a great show. You're going to hear it right now. It actually was the inspiration for Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner. And Stephanie Powers, which was a very popular TV show as well. I loved Heart to Heart. Was that the 70s? I think late 70s, yeah. maybe 80s. Yeah. Might have been 80s. Yeah, I remember. All right, so uh, we have a 1953 broadcast for you now called Family Affair. It stars Richard Denning and Barbara Britton. Here's part one of Mr. and Mrs. North. Jerry! What the? Jerry, That's Pam, Jerry. She's in the study. Come on, Bill. Something's the matter. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. North, starring Richard Denning and Barbara Britton. Listen as Pam and Jerry solve the mystery, Family Affair. The Manhattan home of publisher Philip Kirby is on the 18th floor of an expensive building on Upper Fifth Avenue. It's a large, luxurious, and outwardly cheerful apartment. And yet, it's a place of shadows. 
The kind of shadows that not even the bright morning sun spilling in through the windows overlooking Central Park can dispel. Dad! Janet! Hey, anybody home? Dave? Oh, hi, sis. Well, when did you get back? Oh, about an hour ago in the century. Why didn't you let us know? But I did. Wired Dad at the office yesterday. Oh, he didn't tell me. (laughs) Boy's slipping. Not slipping, Dave. Falling. What? Or rather, has fallen. What are you talking about? Well, didn't you get the letter I wrote you? Well, yes, in San Francisco, but... Wait a minute. You don't mean the woman that you wrote about, the the one Dad's been dating? Yes, Linda Carroll. Dad is really serious about her? He's asked her to marry him. What? And she's accepted. But your letter gave no indication... Well, my letter was written two weeks ago. I didn't even know how far Dad had gone until he told me the day before yesterday. Well, who is this woman? What's she like? Oh, wait, I'll show you. Well, here's a photograph of her. She's beautiful. Mm, Very. Look, Janet, do you think she's really in love with Dad? A woman like that? A woman of 27 in love with a man 62? Well, it's possible. Oh, don't be a fool. And she's after money? Yes, and she's going to get it. What do you mean? Dad's giving her a small dowry of $100,000. Oh. And he's going to change his will. She'll share equally with us. What? He can't do that. He can, and he will, unless we do something. Oh, what can we do? Oh, I don't know. But I do know this. The day he brings Linda Carroll home as his wife is the day I walk out of this house. And out of his will? I'm not thinking of that. Then what are you thinking of? Of mother. Oh, good Lord, David, she's been dead less than six months. What's Dad thinking of? Didn't he love mother? Didn't their life together mean anything to him? How can he think of bringing another woman here? All right, all right, all right. Take it easy, Janet. Oh, David, you've got to talk to Dad. Try to bring him to his senses. I'd rather see Dad dead than married to that woman. Janet. I mean it, David. I'd rather see him dead. I'll have a table for you in one moment, Mr. Noy. Oh, thank you. Oh, goodness, it's terribly crowded, isn't it? Yeah, well, it always is for lunch. Well, might as well wait as long as... Well, huh, look who's here. Who? Philip Kirby. Kirby? Yeah, there's the old boy over at the corner table. Oh. You remember, he's head of Kirby and Company, that big reprint house. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that old bandit. Bandit? <laughs> yeah, he's made millions out of paperback reprints. Oh, you're just jealous. Um, who's the woman with him? Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure I don't know. Well, don't sound so much like you'd like to. Oh, now who's jealous? <laughs> oh, Kirby sees it. Come on, dear, we'd better stop by and say hello. All right. Jerry, my boy. And Mrs. North, it's good to see you. Hello, Mr. Kirby. Well, how are you, Phil? Fine, fine. Linda Dean, I'd like you to meet Mr. and Mrs. North. Pam, Jerry, Mrs. Linda Carroll. How do you do? Well, happy to meet you, Miss Carroll. Won't you two join us? Oh, no, thanks, Phil. We have a table coming up. Mr. North's a publisher, too, Linda. Oh? Oh, yes, the North books. How nice. Oh, by the way, Jerry, I'd like to get together with you about the reprint rights on that new Forbes novel. Hmm. Suppose I give you a ring soon. Yeah, any time. And incidentally... I'd like you two to keep the evening of the 10th open. Linda and I are giving a little party to announce our engagement. Your engagement? That's right, Mrs. Norton. Oh, con- congratulations. Thanks, Jerry. I'm a lucky man. Mr. Norton, the table is ready. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, come along, Pam. Uh-huh. Be seeing you, Phil. Nice to have met you, Miss Carroll. Well, goodbye, Miss Carroll, Mr. Kirby. Goodbye. And remember the tent. Yeah, we'll keep it open. Nice people, the North. They seem to be. 
But, Philip, wouldn't it be better to wait a little while before telling anybody about us? Wait? Why, Linda? I don't know. Superstitious, I guess. Afraid. Afraid? Afraid that something will happen to us. <laughs> now, what could possibly happen? Oh, I don't know, Philip, but I keep thinking of Janet and how much she resents me. Oh, don't worry about Janet. It's just that she was very close to her mother, more than most daughters. But she'll come around. Oh, I wonder. And what about David? What's he going to say? Oh, why don't you ask him? What? Dane! <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Carroll. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. Hello, Dad. Hello, son. Office told me I'd find you here. Well, sit down. Sit down, boy. Sit down. I completely forgot that you were getting back to Dane. <laughs> Under the circumstances, you're forgiven. Uh, my sister showed me a photograph of you, Miss Carroll. That's how I recognized you. And if you'll pardon a cliche, the photograph didn't do you justice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, by the way, Dad, your secretary asked me to remind you of a two o'clock appointment. Oh, my Joe, I almost forgot that, too. I better run. Uh, you're right. Come along, dear. Uh, oh, why, Miss Carroll, Dad? Uh, I was hoping she could stay and keep me company while I had lunch. Uh, I'd like to get better acquainted with my future stepmother. Well, it's a good idea. How about it, Linda? Well, I... Of course, uh, if you'd prefer not to, Miss Carroll. Oh, no. No, I'd like to stay. Very much. Oh, it wasn't necessary to bring me home, David. Oh, but I wanted to. My apartment's here. Number 16. All right, give me a key. Uh, there we are. Thank you. Oh, well, aren't you going to invite me in? I, I hadn't planned to. I'd like a drink. Well, I... Thank you. <laughs> May I help you with the coat? Oh, I can manage. Uh, what would you like, scotch? Fine. Highball? Right. Make yourself comfortable. Everything's in the kitchen. No, I'll help. Very well. Uh, Philip uh, tells me you do a lot of traveling for him. Yeah, that's right. Oh, will you get a tray of ice from the refrigerator? Yeah, sure. But I... I think I'll be doing less traveling from now on. Oh? Why? Here's the ice. Oh, thanks. Because I've found something to stay home for. Oh, what's that? You. David! Oh, Linda. Oh, David, don't. You mustn't. David, please, you... Why did you do that? Because I wanted to. Because I think you did, too. Why, you... <laughs> Is that supposed to prove I'm wrong? Get out. Come here. You heard me. Get out. Listen, Linda. Let go of me. I've got news for you. You're not going to marry Dad. No? No. You're going to marry me. What? I love you. But you don't even know me. I was in love with you before I met you. When Janet showed me your pictures, I knew that Oh, you you're a fool. And so are you, if you think you can marry Dad without loving him. Well, I do love him. And his money. All right. Yes, and his money. Now, you listen to me. I've been married twice. First, when I was 17, to a boy who... Well, everybody thought he was going to be a great musician someday. So I supported us. Until he met a woman who could do him a lot of good professionally. And then there was Carl... He's dead now. Do you know how he died? He was shot trying to pull a hold up to get some money. Money for me? Uh-oh. For a little blonde he was seeing on the side. He left me two rooms of second-hand furniture and a stinking tenement and a bill for his funeral. Yes, David. 
I love your father's money. And that's all I'm ever going to let myself love again. Won't work, Linda. It will. No. David, don't. Please don't touch me. Please don't. Oh, Linda. <laughs> David, please. Please leave me alone. All right, Donnie. Let's have a drink. The ice is beginning to melt. The ice is beginning to melt, Lisa. In here? Can get some more ice for that, <laughs> for my iced tea, please. Um, that is the first portion of Mr. and Mrs. North with Family Affair, Barbara Britton, and uh, Richard Denning on that. Good series. And we have some people who've texted in who agree with you that you are not playing them enough and you should play it more. All right, I'll play so some more, Mr. and Mrs. So we're all in agreement. North. Sounds good. All right, let's take a quick break. More after these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, David. It's 1136 here on a Saturday night. And we are here till 2 o'clock in the morning playing all your favorite classic radio shows. Lisa and I are here every single Saturday and Sunday night beginning at 11 p.m. We play five classic radio shows. All your favorites, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Boston Blackie, The Whistler, My Favorite Husband, Johnny Dollar, you name it, we have it here on the WGN Radio Theater. And we give away some great prizes every hour. I know we've got Mercury Theater this week. We have uh, Steppenwolf coming up. We have Theater at the Center coming up. So we have a bunch of theater tickets, and we have some Lou Malnati's gift cards as well. So yeah. we always like to have Speaking some fun here. Speaking of theater... Theater. Theater of the yes, Mind. There it is. That's what we do here. We're listening to Mr. and Mrs. North, uh, a show called Family Affair from 1953. Here's the conclusion. But I can't see you again tonight, David. You must. But will I tell your father? How about the truth? No, David. No, we can't tell him yet. When are we going to tell him? Well, we'll talk about it. Tonight. Uh, all right, David, tonight. I know, Philip, but I'm just not up to it this evening. My, my head is splitting. You've been having these headaches rather frequently, Linda. This is the fourth in the last ten days. Oh, don't be angry with me, Philip. Uh, I'm not, my dear. I, I'm worried. Oh, I'll be all right. I'm going right to bed and get some rest. Call me tomorrow, huh? Linda, we can't go on like this. David, please. People at the next table can hear. Dad has got to be told. Look, why are you stalling? Dad'll take it, all right. Are you sure? Yes, yes. If we go to him honestly. But if he finds out about us some other way, well, then he'll... David. What? Those people coming into the dining room. That's Jerry North and his wife. I know. Philip introduced me to them. David, we got to get out of here before they see us. coffee, darling? Oh, Pam, I can't. Look at the time. Oh, relax, Jerry. It's such a beautiful morning after such a lovely evening. Yeah, such an expensive evening, dear. <laughs> Maybe publishers like the Kirby's can afford to relax after an evening on the town, but I can't. That was strange, wasn't it, Jerry? Hmm? What? 
seeing Miss Carroll or David Kirby at the Flame Club. Oh, are you still trying to make something of that? Well, I do think it's odd they didn't speak. Darling, there's something going on there. Yeah. An engaged woman doesn't go to a place like the Flame Club with another man, even her fiancé's son. Phil Kirby probably knows all about it. You're just old-fashioned. Mm, perhaps. But if I were engaged, I wouldn't go out with anyone else. Hmm? Not even with your own husband? Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it. Hello. Hello, Jerry. Philip Kirby. Oh, Phil, hello. I'll speak of the day. Your office said I could reach you at home. Uh, look, uh, about that latest Forbes novel. I'd like to get together with you about it sometime today. Oh, uh, well, I'm afraid I'm all tied up today, Phil. Well, this evening, then. Eight o'clock, my apartment. Now, bring Mrs. North. Well, I, I should talk to Forbes before well, I... that's it, that's it. I had a long session with his agent last night. Oh, so that's why Dave was acting oh, as your proxy. Jerry, be careful. Dave? Proxy? What do you mean? Oh, uh, well, Pam and I saw, or rather thought we saw, Dave at the Flame Club with uh, Miss Carroll. Oh, Jerry. Well, Linda? Well, that's impossible. Just what I told Pam, impossible. <laughs> Must have been someone who just looked... Hello? Hello, Phil. Oh, he hung up. And you'd better close your mouth, dear, before you put your other foot in it. Oh. Is my son in, Miss Ryan? Why, yes, Mr. Kirby, shall I... Never mind. Dad, what... I want to talk to you. Uh, sure, sure. Sit down. I was just writing Acme Press. Forget that. Where were you last night? Last night? Well, why, I... At was... the Flame Club. Yes. And who were you with? Well? So you know. Then it was Linda. Yes. Now I suppose you're going to say being out with her didn't mean anything? No, no, I'm not going to say that. You rotten little sneak. Stand up. Now listen to me, Dad. Listen. You heard me, Dad. Will you listen? Old as I am, I can still give you the beating of your life. Dad, I'll whip you within an inch of your life. All right, all right. You're asking for it. It's all right, Miss Ryan. Go back to work. Here, Dad. Get let me, out let me here. Get out of this office. Get your things out of the apartment. There's something I want to say for Nothing you. I want to hear. But you're going to listen anyway. Linda doesn't love you, Dad. All she cared about was your money. And she loves you? Yes, yes. And what's your attraction? My money. Partly. And what is she going to say when you tell her that you've lost that part of your attraction? Have I, Dad? What did you think I meant when I told you to get out? And I don't want to have to tell you again. You won't. So long, Dad. <laughs> and that's the story, darling. Oh. Uh, I, I need a drink. Help yourself. All right. You? No. Oh, if only the North hadn't seen us. <sighs> Dad, I don't know sometime. But if he, if he could have found out from us. I'd have told him if you'd let me. So it's my fault. It's not a question of fault. It... Oh, what difference does it make? A great deal. How? How? Just because I've lost my job? And, and any I... chance of ever getting your father's money. 
Don't say things like that, Linda. Now, wait a minute, David. Wait just one minute. I've been honest with you. I told you I wanted money, and I told you why I wanted it. Yes, and you also told me you were in love with me. Well, I'm not going to love you or anyone else, not at these prices. Well, you should have thought of that before you ran the chance of losing Dad. Yes, and I didn't know we were running the chance of losing his money. However, I... I'm going to correct that mistake right now. What are you going to do? I'm going to go to see Philip and ask him to take me back. You'd go crawling to him just... Yes, and I'm very good at crawling, David. I've had a lot of practice. But this time I'm going to make a payoff big. Linda, where's your prize? It's up for sale. Isn't there anything that you wouldn't do for money? No, nothing. And don't tell me how money isn't everything. I know it isn't. But it's something. And something is more than I've ever had, so I'll take all I can get. Linda, I love you. You're not going back to Dad. No? And just exactly how are you going to stop me? Take a whipping than see Phil Kirby. Well, after the boner you pulled, I don't wonder. Mm. Maybe that'll teach you a lesson. Now, look, Pam, Phil probably doesn't want to see us. He asked us to be here at 8 o'clock, didn't he? Yes, but that was oh, this before... Is the 10th floor, Jerry. Okay, okay. Might as well face the music. Mm. Yeah, down this way. Ah, here we are. Mm. Hmm. Maybe there's no one home. Well, ring again anyway, dear. Yeah. Oh, here's someone. Yes? Oh, hello. You, well, you must be Janet Kirby. Oh, and you're Mr. and Mrs. North. Yes. Well, Dad told me you were coming. Please come in. Thank yes. you. Is uh, your father home? He's in his study. This way. Is, uh, is he all right? All right? Well, yes. Why do you ask? Oh, oh I just wondered. Dad? Dad, Mr. and Mrs. North are here. Oh, now that's strange. Why doesn't he answer? Are you sure he didn't? Well, positive. Dad, Dad, where... Oh, he's not here. Where could he have... Miss Kirby, look the window, window. Miss Kirby. Dad! Dad! Oh, Jerry, darling, look down there. On the roof of the next building. Good Lord. We've got to get down there. It's no use, Pam. That roof is at least seven floors down. He's, he's dead. Oh, darling, do you think he... Oh, yes. He, he couldn't have fallen over this railing. He must have jumped. Now, uh, Miss Kirby, if I could ask you a few questions. Where's my brother? Have you found him? We located him at Miss Carroll's apartment. They're on the way over here now. Miss Kirby... Do you know of any reason for your father taking his own life? No. Even a guess, Miss Kirby? Maybe I can guess, Bill. It might have something to do with the fact that he found out that Linda Carroll was seeing David Kirby. Seeing David? Yes. You mean Linda and David? No. No, they couldn't have done that to Dad. I'm afraid it's true. Woman. That hateful, horrible woman. And David. Now, now, please, please, Miss Kirby. Uh, Just one more question. When did you last see your father alive? About six. And you didn't see him or, or speak to him after that? No. But I heard him. What do you mean? Well, someone rang the doorbell about 7.30. And Dad answered. Do you know who it was at the door? No. My room is at the back of the apartment. I, I didn't see or hear anything more until Mr. and Mrs. North arrived. I see. Yeah. 
Hey, a bill. Come what? here. What is it, Ben? Look. It's what? Here on the floor under the window. What? It looks like blood. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. But whose could it be? And how did it get there? Well, that's just what I'd like to find. I'll answer it. Hello, Wigan speaking. Oh, hello, Doc. What? Well, are you sure? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I just saw something here that fits in with that, so uh, you'd better get back up here quickly. Okay. What is it, Bill? It's murder, Jerry. Murder? What do you mean, Bill? Just what I said. That was the medical examiner. Philip Kirby didn't commit suicide. He was dead before he ever went out that window. And it's obvious what happened, Mr. Kirby. Your father was beaten to death in his study, and then his body was pushed out the window to make it appear he'd committed suicide. And, and you think that I did? Well, you've admitted you quarreled with your father over Miss Carol Dave. This afternoon at the office, Jerry, yes, but I... But you didn't come home this evening, quarrel again, and strike your father... No, with... no. I think we'd better get Miss Carol in here. I'll get her, Bill. Thanks, ma'am. Now, look, Mr. Kirby, I want the truth. But huh? I've told you the truth. Janet, Janet, you believe me, don't you? You don't know I... touch me. Janet, you don't think that I All could... I know is that Dad is dead, and you could have killed him. And what about you? You said you'd rather see him dead than married to Linda. Is that true, Miss Kirby? Oh, yes, but Dad wasn't going to marry her. Only you didn't find that out until after he was dead, Miss Kirby. So it's possible that you could... That's Pam! Come on, something's wrong. All right, come on. Pam! And here, let's play. You stay out of that closet! What? Linda! Make it stop! Get her from me! All right, all right, Miss Carol. Now break it up. Let go of me! Then let go of her. Let go of her. Yeah, that's better. Pam, darling, are you all right? Oh, I think so. Uh, what the devil is this all about? She's hiding something in that closet. That's a lie. Now you relax. I saw her putting something in here when I came in, and when I wanted to see what it was, she, she tried to stop me. All right, let's have a look. Well, well, well. What is it, Bill? This. A poker. From that fireplace set over there. And probably the thing that was used to kill Kirby. Yes. What's the idea, Miss Carroll? I, I was trying to protect David. Pro protect me? What are you talking about? Darling, I know you killed Philip. But I didn't. And when I saw the poker, I was afraid your fingerprints might be on You're it. You're out I... of your mind. Now, relax, Kirby, relax. How do you know he killed his father, Miss Carroll? It was the only way he could prevent his father from throwing him out of the company and, and writing him out of his will. That's not true. Part of it is. Oh? Which part, dear? Well, the part about Philip Kirby's death being the only way David could keep any of his father's money. But, but the rest is wrong. How, Pam? Miss Kirby, you say you heard your father let someone in the apartment about 7.30. Yes. Well, what about it, then? Well, that person must have been the murderer. And the only person with a motive to kill Philip Kirby who would have had to ring the doorbell was Linda Carroll. No. Yes, Miss Carroll. Janet Kirby was in the apartment, and David Kirby still had his key. You weren't hiding that poker to protect David. You were hiding it to protect yourself. The same motive you gave Bill, David... Bill, look out. The window. Oh, Wait now, now, relax, Miss Carol, relax. All right. All right, let me go. Yes, I killed him. He slapped me and I fell back against the fireplace. I saw the poker. He was calling me names, horrible names. Then he turned to leave the room and I hit him. If he'd been the first man who'd wiped his feet on me, I wouldn't have done it. But there'd been too many more before him. I couldn't stand it again. <laughs> Not again. 
it, folks. We've got Miss Carol's signed statement, and I, uh, well, I thought I'd drop over and let you know. Oh, thanks, Bill. Well, Jerry and I were just going to have some coffee, Bill. Would you join us? Well, thanks. Thanks. I, I could stand a cup, you know? I'll make it right away. Oh, no, Pam. <laughs> oh, no. You, you relax. I'll make it. All right, dear. Won't be a minute. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, glad my wife isn't here to see this. To see what, Bill? A husband hopping to it the way Jerry is. <laughs> Dorian says that I... Uh... And, dear, where's the coffee? Oh, in the cupboard above the sink, Jerry. Oh. Uh, you know, Dorian says I'm absolutely helpless around the house, that I, I couldn't even boil water. <laughs> hey, darling, where do I boil the water in? Oh, in the tea kettle on the stove, dear. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, Dorian says the only thing I know how to do in the kitchen is open a bottle of beer. <laughs> Jerry! Oh, darling, what happened? Oh, I dropped the can of coffee and it spilled all over the floor. Oh. Hey, look, w- would anybody settle for a bottle of beer? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North are brought to you through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. Mr. and Mrs. North, July 28, 1953, Family Affair, starring Richard Denning and Barbara Britton. Great show, right? It was a great show, and our listeners liked it as well, so I that's know. a bonus. They're also going to like, Oh, Pancho! Oh, yeah. Oh, Cisco! <laughs> that's coming up next, the Cisco Kid. And then after that, it's Mr. President. You can uh, get a little history lesson. I could use a history find lesson. Out <laughs> which president uh, that Edward Arnold is playing. Every week, he would play a different president, and they, we, uh, they would dramatize an event in that president's life. It was a very interesting series. Did you used to play the game when you were a kid about what president, who, who's the president, I think it was called? No. It was all these historical <laughs> facts and you had to guess no. the president? I never was a kid. I didn't. I was you... I was born 5'11". Five, 5'11". Uh, five, <laughs> you'll never be 5'11". 4'11", you mean. You got one number off just like usual. 4'11". <laughs> oh, God, you're funny. All right, yeah. let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, David. All right, it's 12.07 in this hour. The Cisco Kid, Lisa. Yes, he talked like this. You know, it, Mel Blank for a while played that role. Remember uh, Mel Blank on the Jack Benny show? He did the seaside yeah. routine. Yeah, that's well, right. Well, he, yeah. he did that voice, and they hired him as Poncho. On the Cisco Kid for a while, although this episode that we'll have tonight does not have Mel Blanc on it. It has um, Jack Mather as Cisco, Harry Lang as Poncho. Can you tell from listening that it's yes, not? You can, absolutely. You can, you, can, you can hear the voice. In a m- moment, I can tell. Just one, In fact, less than a moment. It only takes Probably a moment. Probably one second, I can tell. Do you know that song, It Only Takes a Moment? No. From Hello Dolly. Sing it. <laughs> sing it for us. No, it's from Hello Dolly. Really? Yeah. Uh, put the spotlight on, Lisa. Turn the lights out. Okay, no, sing. I, I don't want to sing it. No? It's, it's like a slow, emotional song. I oh, won't really? sound good singing it. Okay. <laughs> I sang a couple of weeks ago. What did I sing? Uh, uh, you sang the Johnny Cash, the Ring of Fire. Oh, yeah. See, I sang. <laughs> this is a different kind of song. Yeah. It's a... Ben, I sang Ring of Fire. You mm-hmm. missed it. That's yeah. impressive. You can yeah. go back. That's a lot of range. You can go back and hear You'll the You'll have uh, to listen to the podcast. podcast. You'll appreciate it. Well, see, Ben just hit it on the head. I said, I can sing songs that 
if, that don't have any range because I don't have any range. So it's just like that low monotone, like <laughs> a Johnny Cash. Did you happen Cash. to watch America's Got Talent this week? Anybody? Anybody? Now, no, no offense. Did you? I when I say Johnny Ring Cash. of Fire, do you know what I'm talking about? Why Curtis? somebody sang Ring of Fire? He, he did. It was awful, right? It oh. was the guy from um, oh that that act with the husband and wife where she throws the knives with her feet. And she throws knives with her feet? With her toes. Oh, wow. They were dirty toes, really? too. Yeah. Oh, but man. But she wore underwear this time. She did before. dirty toes? Yeah. I'll get you. And the whole time, he's singing the Ring of Fire song, <laughs> just sort of the way you did it, kind of like talk it, sing it. Yeah. And he's not a singer the either. The Ring of Fire. So it sounded a lot like your the version. Ring of Fire. You should, you should check the America's Got Talent from last week. <laughs> uh, you know what? I love that show. I do, I too. hate to admit it, but I love that oh, show. Oh, it's a great show. Yeah. And uh, Simon's on that, right? Yeah, he's okay, a judge. Yeah, he's a judge. He, he's just, a great judge. He doesn't have much of a wardrobe, though. He's just got like a he's white t-shirt. White shirts. That's about it. Black pants and white t-shirt. Yeah. That's all he has. That's all he has. You know what? Those white t-shirts we should probably, send probably him some cost clothing. a lot of money, though. We should probably right? send him. A few hundred bucks for a t-shirt. What do you think, Lisa? Should we send him some clothes? Probably if he'd need. have me on the show, I would dress him. <laughs> all right. In this hour, the Cisco Kid from May of 1958, show called Pot of Gold. Then in our next hour, Mr. President himself. But it's time now to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, the celebrity is Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah. fun. He played the shadow in the movies. Yeah, and he does a great job on Saturday Night Live. I'll never forget some of his... Uh, <laughs> Some of his, you well, know, skits on I'm that. I'm not gonna I know. comment about that. You don't but. have to. And we're going to be giving away two tickets for Mercury Theater Chicago show Monty Python Spamalot. All right. So you can call right now, 312-981-7200. Caller number three. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. And we have Tiara on the phone. Do we have her? Hi, how are you? Terrific. I'm glad you made it through. You were caller number three, and you're already a winner. We're going to have a little fun with Alec Baldwin, okay? All right. All right, and Carl's a lifeline. He's on a roll tonight. Yep, I'm three for three. So we'll see how that goes for him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number one. Um, Alec Baldwin is the oldest of the Baldwin brothers. Real or ridiculous? Uh, Real. I think he is. Do you? Yeah. He is. All right. Darn, I thought I had you on that one. <laughs> All right. Four for four. All right. Um, Alec Baldwin played pro football for two years before becoming an actor. Real or ridiculous? Uh, real. Ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous. This is for me. Oh, no. This is no. for you, Tara. Oh, no. I'm tied for five. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. I can't be stopped. Oh, yes, you can. In 2010, he co-hosted the 82nd Academy Awards with Steve Martin. Real or ridiculous? Oh, let's say real. It's ridiculous. It's real. Thank you very much. (laughs) This is for you. I feel really good about that one. He did? He hosted the Academy Awards? He did. This is for me. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm happy now. Um, but TR, you are the winner, and you have won tickets to Mercury Theater Chicago. They are presenting the positively medieval satire Monty Python Spamalot. It's starting previews August 30th, and Newsday calls Spamalot a holy grail of big crowd pleasing musical comedy. It's a great show. It's a great theater. You can get more information at mercurytheaterchicago.com. And you've just won two tickets. So I hope you have a wonderful evening at Mercury Theater Chicago. Oh, thank you a lot. Oh, thank Thank you you very much. All right. She's a big winner. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. We appreciate your text. We're getting a lot of text tonight, and we love it. So keep them coming. And I can continue reading aloud for Carl. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the Cisco Kid is up now. Good Western, created by O. Henry. He was the the guy who invented the whole character. The Cisco Kid, he was seen in films, on TV, comic books, and uh, beginning in 1942 he was on the radio and jackson beck played cisco uh in the early version and also uh there was another uh guy who played him jack mather who you're going to hear on this episode this was a syndicated series very very popular Uh, i think there was something like 500 episodes of this series so Long, long time on the radio. Um, and we're going to listen to a broadcast now from 1958, May 29th to be exact. This is called The Pot of Gold. Here's part one now of The Cisco Kid. Here's adventure. Here's romance. Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. <laughs> Cisco, the sheriff, he's getting closer! This way, Pancho, Favano! The Cisco Kid! And now, the Cisco Kid in our exciting story, Pot of Gold. The story of the proverbial pot of gold, which was supposed to be found at the end of the rainbow, was duplicated in an event which occurred on the frontier of our West in the 1870s. The boldness and bravery of the famed Cisco Kid was the only bulwark that prevented this incident from becoming a dire tragedy. As our story opens, the long, rolling roar of thunder and the sharp, blinding stab of lightning proclaims the violence of the raging storm from which Cisco and Pancho seek shelter. Man, me with the storm, Cisco. You have been through enough of these western thunderstorms with me, Pancho, and I know that they do not last for long. See, that is true, but Pancho's still getting awful wet. Look up toward that range of mountains, amigo. You can see that it is clear over there. See the... Pancho not can do this, Cisco. Why not, Chico? Is anything wrong? Do you have a stiff neck? No, Cisco, but when Pancho look up, the water from the brim of Pancho's sombrero run down Pancho's neck. You see, Piggy? <laughs> I see what you mean. Ooh. Hey, Santas, we are in luck. Uh, please not say this, Cisco. You hear how it thunder when you say this? <laughs> if you will crawl out from under your sombrero, you'll see that I am talking about that old shack just ahead of us. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Oh, you're right, Cisco. Hurry up. We get out of the rain, huh? Up there, okay. Go, go, go. Get out of the rain. Now look to pass like there's anyone in the shack. It does seem to be deserted. And since the single room is large enough to hold the horses as well as ourselves, 
You get them in out of the rain also. You hear that, Lugo? Soon you and Diablo be dry and warm. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Yeah. We can lead them through the doorway. Big enough for Diablo and Lugo to pass through. I'm sure whoever used to own this cab will not begrudge us or the horses the shelter can afford us. Well, how'd you know we're able to afford it? You not know how much he charges for using the cabin. What I mean is that... Oh, never mind, Pancho. No, never mind. Yeah, door's open. Come on, Diablo, come on. Come on, Lobo. We got in this steady Lobo rainy. Ah, Pancho, me. We got a nice, good rainy. <laughs> Pancho, you'll never grow up. <laughs> Why, Pancho, you'd want to. And Pancho, happy this way. You know you're going to be happy for long. Yes, let's go. That hombre with the gun. Oh. My hand! I learned you the lesson, you coyote, you. Get your hands out in front of you. Keep them wide. Yeah, all right. I, I'm doing it. Yeah, you should know better than to try for your other gun. Cisco just proved he's able to draw and I'll shoot you. Even though your gun is your hand and Cisco's in his holster. Cisco? The Cisco kid? Yeah, I punch you. Are you... Are you really the Cisco kid? Really, really. That is what I'm called, hombre. Well, if you're really the Cisco kid, then you're not here to kill me. Of course not, hombre. Why should we want to kill you? This cannot never kill nobody. Why did you throw down on us, hombre? Put your hands down now. Thanks, Cisco. I'm Lou Milton. I had a gun on you because I thought you and your partner were members of the Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch? They're the worst outlaws and killers in the whole West. They want to buy more sheriffs and marshals than the fleas want dogs. Why is the wild bunch after you, Senor Milton? Because of this. What is this? What is this? What, 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 what? See for yourself. What is Here. Huh? In my bedroll. A black iron pot. The kind of chuck wagon cook might use during a roundup. What's so special about this? What's in it? Chihuahua, Cisco, that iron pot filled with gold coins. Yeah, these coins look like ancient Spanish doubloons. Where did you get them? They were entrusted to me by Doña Maria Cristina Velasco. Doña Velasco? We hear about her, Cisco. Doña Maria Velasco is known for her kindness and charity throughout the entire Southwest. I was trying to help her in one of these charitable deeds by delivering this gold, Cisco. Well, who'd you go to deliver it to, senor? Pancho, I have no objection to telling you. The Doña asked me to see that Roy Irvine in Wickenburg gets it. How did the Wild Bunch find out about this gold, Senor Milton? That I don't know, Cisco. I do know I need help, and, and I can trust you. What do you mean, Senor? Will you help me see that it's delivered safely to Wickenburg? Mm, gotta be for a good cause, Cisco. Otherwise, I don't you, Maria Cristina Velasco, not be connected with it. My compañero and I will ride with you, Senor. Good. Now I know nothing can stop this part of gold from being delivered to Roy Irvine. After the job is done, I think Pancho and I will try to deliver the wild bunch to the law. Count me in on that, Cisco. I'd like to help you. Yeah, Santos, there, on the rise of that far hill. Mm, riders and horses is coming. Yeah, there are a lot of them. The wild bunch. It's them. Cisco, we've got to break up. Here, you take the pot of gold. You can get it to Roy Irvine better than I can. We'll see this through together. Oh, no time to waste, please. Here, here, take it. I'll try to lead him away. You can get your horses out the back door. Perhaps you're right. We'll meet you in Wickenburg, Senor Milton. Come on, Diablo. Come on. Get mounted, Pancho. Uh, uh, Pancho, don't do it. Ah, this rain is thunder and lightning. Yeah. What is the address in Wickenburg? Number 27, Hacienda Street. Roy Irvine. Good luck. Why, Condé, Senor Milton? 
We do what this hombre tell us, Cisco? See, for now, I am not sure what this is all about. But we will find out. Come on. Go, 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 go. There he is, boys. Don't let him get away this time. Pull up that cayuse or I'll blast you out of that saddle. Hold your fire, boys. He's stopping. Whoa, 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 whoa. Climb down off that pony, Lou. Sure, Marshal. What do you want? A couple of you boys search Lou's bedroom and saddlebags. Yeah, Marshal. What are you looking for, Marshal? Don't play cozy with me, Lou Milton. You're going to take us to the rest of the wild bunch. We saw two of your gang right off. Can you prove what you're saying, Marshal Rensler? Won't need no other proof than the pot of gold you and the wild bunch stole from Donna Velasco. What's the matter, Grayson? No trace of that gold, Marshal Rensler. Are you sure? Positive. Yeah, United States Marshal can't hold a prisoner without proof of crime, can he, Marshal Rensler? You know all about the law, don't you, Lou? <laughs> well, am I wrong? Let me take him, Marshal. He'll be laughing from the other side of his face. No. No. Lou's right, Grayson. No evidence, no crime. The law's the law. Now, you give me the slip once before, Lou, when the Wild Bunch broke up after the Velasco robbery. Looks like you've done it again. I don't know what you're talking about, Marshal Rensler. I didn't figure you'd turn the gold over to anybody. Mm, I was wrong. But I'm not wrong when I say I'm going to get you, Lou, with the proof I need. You got me all wrong, Marshal. I'm a law-abiding citizen. And I know them two partners of yours we saw right away have that gold. And I'm going after them now. Grayson, you and the boys go on back to town. You can't ride across the line as my posse. I wish we could, Marshal Rensley. Hey, what about Lou Milton? Uh, nothing we can do but set him loose. I'll catch up with you again, Lou. Just like I'm going to catch them two partners of yours. I hope the hombre carrying that pot of gold tries to resist arrest and draws on me. I'll kill him. Oh, now, there ain't no need to clear the top of the desk that way, Doña Maria. You done broke the ink well. I will sign nothing over to you, you cowardly brute, Roy Irvine. Oh, it ain't no call for you to act that way, Doña Maria. <laughs> After all, you'll have complete use of your ranch for as long as you live. What do you care what happens to it when you're passed away? You do not fool me, you miserable swine. I know why you want the land. I ain't tried to fool you. You got a reputation for giving out lots of charity. I'm just taking some. You only wish title to the rancho so you and your wild bunch can have a legitimate reason to operate from there. I ain't denying it. And in return, we'll give you protection. And nobody will bother. I will sign nothing. I will give you nothing. I am an old woman. And I am not afraid of you. I am not afraid to die. <laughs> I reckon you ain't. Lou Milton said you wouldn't be when he had you had us bring you here as a, as a hostage. Do not mince words with me, you coward. I know I am a prisoner and I cannot escape. But I will tell you, holding me here will not serve your purpose. <laughs> Wait till Lou Milton gets here. 
We'll see. <laughs> All right, you laugh, you whistle. You know I'm not afraid of anything you can do. I was just thinking about that look on your face when you see what Lou's bringing with him. <laughs> yeah, that must be Lou now. On time, like he said he'd be. Hey, what do you know? A couple of strangers stopping here at the house. Strangers? Where? No, no, you don't. Let me go. Move. I know that other room. You take your hands from me. Pretty feisty for an old lady, ain't she? Now go on. Get in there. Polly. You shut up. I'm going to tie and gag you. And if you give me any trouble, I'll slit your throat. You sure this the place, Isco? See, si, Pancho. Number 27, Haciampa Street. Huh? See, this is it. Pancho, wonder why Donya will ask you when this father goes to live to the Senor Irving. I wonder about a lot of things, Pancho. Perhaps we'll find out when we meet Senor Irving. Uh, look, 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 Cisco. There's a bell on the door. The kind was got to be twist to ring. <laughs> let Pancho, let Pancho. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll hold the part of gold. Gracias, gracias. <laughs> tingling, tingling, tingling. Santo said Ryder is coming fast. Well, the hombre stop right here. What he can want. You holding that metal pot, set it down gently. And then both of you get your hands up. What is this all about, Senor Marshal? Do as I say, Pronto, or I'll start you. Cisco, go for his oh. well, I told him to get his hands up. He went for his gun. Cisco just naturally go for his gun to shoot yours from your hand. Because he's holding that gold, he not draw fast enough. Cisco! Cisco! Can it be true that the marshal's bullet has found its mark? In just a moment, we'll return to the Cisco Kid. The Cisco kid was a friend of mine. Right, Roger? Right. Cisco kid, kid was a friend of mine. You know that song we sang? I don't know who sings it, but I'm just... <laughs> uh, war, I think. Was it War? war yeah, I it might have so. been. Roger knows his music, man. Well, uh, he really does. I know enough to make Not me bad. dangerous. Now, the Cisco kid can't be dead here, because, then, no. because there's like another 100 episodes that they did after <laughs> this one. So I'm guessing... He's not dead. You think he's pretending? I don't know, but we'll find out. Yeah. But first, these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Roger, you interrupted me and Lisa. We were having a scintillating conversation. <laughs> scintillating? Scintillating. Oh, well, I didn't that's know a good you. Word yeah. for she it. had to look that up for you, right? Yeah, I, can't. I did. I, yeah, I figured it as for much. Not, hey, you know, this conversation is exciting, <laughs> but that's not the word I'm looking for. It's yeah. four syllables that goes beyond his vocabulary, I know. Roger. <laughs> I know How many syllables is it? It's four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ooh. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. I'll come out. Well, if I'll go a, out and I'll come back in again. If we had a different kind of a show, we'd be able to discuss yeah. it. Oh, I see. If we were on. You know, it's Howard just, Stern or something. Yeah, right. Do it. okay. It's yeah. like a getting older kind of a conversation. You know, I, it's like I it's remember those. things and you get older. It's just yeah. not fun. You I know vaguely I mean? remember those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my knees hurt, you yeah. know. <laughs> Like I get out of my bed, eyes hurt, but my I'm looking at hurt. you. So yeah. what? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's good, Roger. Hang on a second. Say that again. Yeah. Okay. Say it again. My eyes hurt. I'm sorry. I'm looking at you. Thank you. All right. Much I'll be here don't all apologize, week, Roger. Try the veal. You know, um, you know, Elton Jim gave me yeah. a hard time about this. Thing about here. the uh, drum? Yeah. 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 I know said, about the uh, old said, school sound effect. Yeah, he oh. said that sound effect was uh, was in like 20 years ago. That's, well, guess what? Yeah. Carl you know, was in 20 I'm, years ago. I'm old-fashioned. I'm very old-fashioned. I know you are. Yeah. I'm like... And that sound effect was used yeah. on some of the old shows, especially like game Laughing, shows and stuff. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I will also say that Carl's not only old-fashioned mm-hmm. that way, but, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways ac- across the board in his personality. Yeah, I'm kind of old-fashioned. He's, old he's an old soul. He's an old soul. Yeah. That's why I love these he's classic a very radio shows. He's very corny. He's out in the cornfield. I mean, I don't, I don't believe in apps. I think it's a conspiracy. I don't think apps actually work. So oh. I don't have any apps on any of my devices. <laughs> a lot of people I don't say believe, that about you. You don't really work. <laughs> I don't believe uh, in technology. Really? Well, you're using you know, it right now. I use an abacus. <laughs> yeah. When I want to count something. Yeah. And you got abacus. a horse and buggy outside, so horse it's waiting for us for no, a ride home. And he wants to, when he wants to add something, he asks the horse, how much is five and two? And it goes, <laughs> and just with the foot on the right. ground. Now, that you know? was a good yeah. sound effect right there, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the machine in there. I don't have a machine. But he doesn't know how to push the Man. buttons, Roger. One of them is, <laughs> one of them is a horse. <laughs> no, that's not the one. What was that? No, that's not. Oh no, he's going. No, that's he's not going that was through not all me. of them. That's annoying. Oh, that's a baby. That's really annoying. Yeah, oh, God, remember that. That is great. Remember that you sounds. had four of those. I only. I had would three. have another one tomorrow if I was thirty years younger. <laughs> she, that's why she got a little doggy because it's like her baby. She calls Aww. it her baby. Oh, yeah. it is my baby. That's oh. sweet. I say he's my fifth baby. <laughs> fifth baby. <laughs> Getting all the inheritance he's a different too, color, right? But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, we're listening to Pot of Gold on the Cisco Kid. Here's the conclusion. And now back to the Cisco Kid and our gripping story, Pot of Gold. Though hunted himself, Lou Miltone is able to fool Cisco and Pancho into delivering a pot of gold to the home of Roy Irvine. Unknown to Cisco and Pancho, Doña Maria Velasco, owner of the gold, is being held prisoner by Roy. As they wait for the door to be opened, Marshal Rensler, who has been trailing the gold, rides up. He calls upon Cisco to set down the pot, and when it seems that Cisco is going to draw his gun, the Marshal shoots him. No. Hey, what in thunder's going on here? This Marshal, he shoots Cisco. Well, I had to. He was going to kill me. He's suffering snails. I am not dead yet. Cisco! She's gonna dead. Plain fuss, am I? Well, I'm glad for that. You will not be so glad for so very long. This should give you a general idea of what I mean. Well, you knocked that martial arts, Cisco. Either that or I would have been killed, Pancho. Now we better get him inside. The crowd will gather because of them gunshots. What do you say, Art? I, uh, what do you want to know for? Lou Milton sent me. Why didn't you say so? I'm Roy Irvine. Uh, he the hombre we look for, Cisco? You the Cisco kid? See, I am. Come on, Pancho. Pick up that package for Senor Irvine. There's a bunch of folks turning the corner of the street. I'll stay out here and make some explanation. Uh, we will go inside. Nothing to get excited about, folks. Nothing important. Nothing to worry about. 
Just a couple of friends of mine rode in and gave me a real Western how do you do? (laughs) Thanks for your interest. Good to know that if there was really some trouble, I I could get some help. (laughs) Thanks. Sure, Sure, I'm glad I got good neighbors. Thanks again. Yeah, nice going, Roy. Use your head in the way you stalled him. I saw you at the back of the crowd, Lou. What was it all about? I'll explain later. What happened here? Big Ombre in black mentioned your name. Says he's the Cisco kid. He is. We gotta move careful with him. Back me no matter what I say. Sure. You know, he belted the marshal who was following us, knocked him out. Well, that works out all right. Long as we get in there before Cisco finds out he hit a real marshal. Say, you're Milton. Well, you made it. I'm sure glad to see you did, Cisco. And I am glad to see you slipped away from the wild bunch. And here's the pot of gold you ask us to help you deliver, Senor Lou. Well, maybe we find out what it's all about. I think we are due more of an explanation, Senor Lou. Hey, that hombre you knocked out is coming, too. Bunch already take his gun. Here, let me help you up, hombre. Yeah. What happened? What hit me? You get hit with the fist from the Cisco kid. The Cisco kid? Uh-huh. You are going to lead me to the rest of the wild bunch, hombre. The wild bunch? What do you know about him? I believe you are one of the leaders. I want to know where the rest of your outlaws are. One way or another, you are going to tell me. Now make it easy on yourself. Yeah. Why don't you ask them two coyotes behind you? They're the leaders of the wild bunch. I reckon you ain't in with them if you don't know that. <laughs> You'll have to do better than that, Rensler, to fool Pancho here and Cisco, too. You gotta let her go, you jayhawker. First pretending to be a marshal and then accusing us of being outlaws. Yeah, well, I can prove it. I got my credentials in my pocket. No, oh, no, you don't. Get him, Lou, before he gets that gun. Hey, who met This gun barrel quiet you down, there's no need for you to go and whip that hombre. He's probably going for a Derringer in his back pocket. He mentioned credentials. I think I will have a look. Cisco, look out! That little Milton go to uh, gun whip Joe. Gun whip Pancho, will you, you skulking sidewinder? As I suspected, this Lancaster hombre was right. Roy, help me get him. I'll get him the same way we got the other two. Oh! <laughs> the great Cisco kid. Fell into the trap like a gopher. Look at him now. Helpless as a newborn doggy. How'd you ever get him to deliver that pot of gold for you? I was about to kill him. He shot the gun out of my hand. When I heard Pancho call him Cisco, I knew I could get him to help. Long as he believed I was on the side of the law. <laughs> what did you tell him? That'll keep for another time. Where's the Velasco woman? In the other room, tied and gagged. Now we better tie these sleeping beauties before they come to. I'll hop to it. You reckon you can get Dona Maria to sign over her ranch? With these law dogs here, it'll be a latigo cinch. Now what do you mean? I'll threaten to kill him if she don't. She'll sign. Even when she does, we can't afford to set him free. Who's gonna? Either way, no matter what she does, they die. <laughs> That can budge these ropes. How about you, Cisco? They did a good job of tying us. 
What about yours, Marshal Rensler? The knots of these ropes are like rocks. I feel very badly. I was too smart. I am to blame for our predicament. You're not no Cisco. The bandido tells us a good story. Even Pancho believe him. But I should have seen through the whole scheme. Well, Milton's a slick operator, Cisco. That's how he and his wild bunch have been able to elude capture for so long. Go ahead, Dona Maria. Save yourself. They'll tell you who they are. The United States Marshal, Senor Rensler. Howdy, Dona Maria. I wish I were able to help you. Yeah, this got to be Dona Maria Cristina Velasco, Cisco. That's who she is, Pancho. You tell her who your partner is. I am the Cisco kid, Dona Maria Velasco. I regret I am to blame for all of this. Oh, no, Cisco. The blame is on the heads of these evil hombres. Name calling won't do no good now, Dona Maria. You're going to sign the property deed, or are we going to have to shoot these three law lovers to prove we mean what I told you? Do not sign anything, senora. They will not keep their word. Shut up, or you'll feel the heel of my boot in your face. There is no need for further violence. There is more at stake than just our lives. I told you we'd return the pot of gold to the mission that Tupac if you signed the deed. What the gold's got to do with all this? It's not that the doubloons themselves are of such great value, Pancho. No, they are a symbol. The pot of gold and the Spanish doubloon stand for the friendship and the loyalty Padre Quino established between the settlers and the Apaches when he founded the first Spanish settlement in Arizona. Oh, see, I remember such a story. The gold was donated by the first Velasco in this country. The legend was that if the pot of gold ever disappeared, the friendship was broken. You know how restless the Apaches have been. This is all the excuse Geronimo or Mangus Colorado need to set the tribes on the warpath. Madre mía. I mean, a lot of senores and little niños be massacred. Come on. That's enough jabbering. Either she does it or we shoot the lot of them. Make up your mind, Doña Maria. They will shoot no one, Doña Maria. They know it will bring the whole town here pronto, as it did before. I'll give you five minutes, Doña Maria. Either you'll do it. Or every one of you'll die. There. It is done. You have my rancho. Now I beg of you, in the name of humanity, keep your promises. Return the gold to the mission and release Cisco, Pancho, and the marshal. Is it all right, Loom? Is it signed all right? Signed, sealed, and delivered. We got what we need. The wild bunch is going to run this entire territory. Your promises, hombres. Oh, yeah. We did promise, didn't we, Roy? Well, I'll tell you how we're going to keep that promise. Now, no. I got to Get that rope, Roy. We'll tie it. You lying dogs. Cisco was right. You never intended to keep any of your promises. Now, oh, ain't that a shame you didn't think of that before. <laughs> Too bad Cisco ain't here to help you. Cisco, he got loose. Cisco. Out of my way. I'm gunning down. No, Roy. Shooting that gun off will be like calling a town meeting. We don't want that. I'm glad to hear that. How you both something in the way of fists? We clubbed you and knocked you out once. We can do it again. <laughs> Circle around him, Roy. We'll find an opening. Why waste time? We got the guns. He ain't. You have all you ask for. Let him alone, please. No, no. Gracias, Doña Maria. 
I do not want them to quit. Don't worry, we won't. We almost reached this car. We've come to help you. All right. Get him to you, Maverick. Gun whip him loose. It's hard to do. Do it yourself. Not while I can grab you, Royal Run. Flip you against the ball. Go ahead, Lumelton. Use that gun. Does that close your eyes so you cannot see the shooter? Does that close your mouth so you cannot lie again? And this to rock you to sleep so you will think of no more evil. Cisco, behind you, Royal Vine. Yes, yeah. Your Majesty, help Cisco. I want no help with you, Irvine. You'll lay your skull open with this gun barrel. I ought to use that gun on you. You yellow skunk. But I'm sure you remember this for a lot longer than you want a bullet. Magnifico. Bravo, Cisco. Aye, when you are angry, you are like a lion. Ah, we too late to take a punch at those mavericks. You sure did a good job on them, Cisco. Yeah. Now it is your turn to do a good job on them, Marshal Rensler. Make sure they remain in jail the rest of their lives. Si, Pancho. With the information from those two bandidos, the marshal round up the rest of the wild bunch. And thanks to Tony Maria's swift action, the pot of gold is now where it belongs, and there'll be no trouble with the Apaches. <laughs> ah, that's fine. That's the way it should be. Now, if there's a rainbow over that pot of gold, everything be all right. Oh, rainbow only appears after a storm, Pancho. Oh, Pancho know this. When Pancho and Hermesil find see a rainbow after a very overstorm we have there. Oh, you had a bad storm while you were there? Oh, she's terrible. Huh? And during the storm, a wind cyclone hit the house where Cousin Pedro lived. Well, did it hurt Cousin Pedro's house any? They not know. They not find the house yet. Oh, Pancho! Oh, Zisco! ¡Ah, diablo! And so ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid. You'll never know how good breakfast can be till you try crisp golden slices of toasted butternut bread with your morning meal. You've never tasted a bread that makes finer toast, evenly toasted all the way through. And oh yes, remember, a good breakfast means a good morning. And a good breakfast, a nourishing breakfast, should always include several slices of butternut toast. Try toast and honey, toast and jam, or say, try French toast with an orange flavor. Or even if you serve butternut toast just plain with butter or margarine, you'll like it. Butternut's always a favorite. And it's good for you, too. Vitamin and mineral enriched to the highest government standards. So next time you buy bread, don't just say bread. Say, tut, tut, nothing but butternut bread. Say, good butternut bread, please. The only loaf you'll see in your grocery store 
in the blue and white check gingham picture wrapper. No other like it for freshness or flavor. Be sure to listen again for another thrilling adventure of The Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Poncho by Harry Lang. Definitely in Oregon there, Lisa. Sounded like a circus to me. <laughs> yeah, sounded like an Oregon. You know, uh, Cisco Kid, uh, that was a broadcast from May 29th, 1958, Pot of Gold. Jack Mather, Harry Lang. Um, I'm trying to think who, I can't remember who it was that was on this show that I interviewed one time, and he or she was telling me that this show was recorded live onto a 16-inch, you know, disc, disc, right? Okay, so if you listen to the show, and I was listening really carefully, I heard a couple of little mistakes by one of the actors. They didn't, even though it wasn't in front of a studio audience, and even though it was not being broadcast live, they still did not stop. They didn't do it over. It was like a one take. It was like as if it was live. They were recording it, Mm -hmm. but there was no editing later. And one of the reasons this person told me was because they were knocking out like three or four shows in one day. They were knocking these out. They would bring the actors in. And they would work like one day a month and knock out the four right. shows. So, so it's like the they just didn't have the time it. to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I like I, it that way. I searched this. It was nearly 600 episodes that they did of this oh. series. It on a long, long time. Hope you enjoyed the Cisco Kid. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our cruise. Next August, August 1st, we're going on a cruise classic radio cruise we'd love you to go with us so get a pen and paper because we're going to give you our toll-free number to call to the travel agent if you have any um if you have any questions we'd love for you to go on this cruise with us which we'll tell you all about right after these words all right, so you, you uh, want me to sing nah, for you? Or no, what? thank you. I, I think care. Ben. I think Ben is uh, <laughs> part of his brain. Is uh, you know you know the jars. Uh, well, what are you talking oh, about, Carl? You know uh, AB. What what uh, Abby? Abby normal. Abby normal. I think Ben's brain is Abby normal. There's music here. We talk, then we go to break. We come back. I do the live read. It's a learning curve. That's all right. All right, Ben. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll keep you, though. We'll still keep All you around. All right. So, uh, Make believe it played. Okay. We have Mr. President in this hour, uh, Edward Arnold. You're going to get to guess what president he's playing. And we're going to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Yes. The celebrity is Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Right? Yeah. And we are going to be giving away the desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Sock Weathermakers. Sock it to me. Remember? She used to say that all the time? Yeah. Sock it to me. I do. Oh, well, she's, man. She's, she was a cutie, huh? She still is I mean, a cutie. I mean, I'm just saying on that show. I know. You're you talking know? about laughing? Yeah, laughing. Yeah. yeah. Suck it to me. She's still fantastic. I know. She's just great. All right. Well, what caller We're going to go with caller number four. Call right now, 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Chicago Stories told 24-7, 720 WGN. 
Your wife looks so hot. Your husband looks so cold. Hi, it's Dick from American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling with my wife Elizabeth. When we were married, I promised Dick that he would always have the last word. Ever since, my last word has always been yes, dear. Well, word has it that if your air conditioner breaks, the American Weathermakers 60 Minutemen will be at your home in 60 minutes or give you a free $60 gift card for the repair. And we offer a lifetime warranty on our repairs, but never charge traveler overtime. Plus, I love that American Weathermakers offers the best prices on the top furnace and air conditioner brands every day. So if your air conditioner breaks, give us a jingle. American Weathermakers, we won't be comfortable until you are. Call toll-free, 855-955-HVAC. For the final word in cooling, Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com or call 855-955-HVAC. Soak up the sun along the Caribbean Sea. Join me, Kevin Powell, Lauren Lapka, and your favorite White Sox players in Cancun, Mexico for Apple Vacation Socks on the Beach this December 8th through the 15th. You'll enjoy seven nights of all-inclusive accommodations at Ibero Star Selection Cancun with the option of the adults-only coral level plus exclusive White Sox events like cocktail parties, beach games, and more. Packages include your nonstop round-trip flight from Chicago plus hotel transfers. Book your trip today at WGNRadio.com slash events. Hey, this is John Williams with this heat we're experiencing. Is your home staying cool enough? If not, it could be those leaky old windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window today. They'll determine the problem areas that should be addressed. And right now, buy one, get one 30% off on all windows and doors, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. Call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR to schedule a free evaluation or go to 1-800-NEXT-DOOR.COM. Next Door and Window, thousands of options, one Brian and the Northsiders look to send the Nationals hacking and packing Cubs Nats today at 1 on WGN TV Sports. All right, we have Mac on the phone to play the game with us. Hey, Mac. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How you doing? Hi, Mac. Great, great. How how all how all are you doing? We're good, Mac. We're, We're good. good. Well, uh, we broke Carl's streak uh, last time, so he got one wrong. We're going to see how he does with Goldie Hawn. I'm pretty sure I'm going to stump you a little bit. Okay, number one, she began training to be an opera singer at the age of five. Real or ridiculous? I I'm going to go with it because it sounds just the I'll say real. I'm going to say ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds real, but it's not. All right. Oh, Max. Oh, no. All right. All right. Here we go. Number two. She formed the production company Imprint Entertainment in 2003 with Kurt Russell. Real or ridiculous? That's real. I'm so sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> it's called Cosmic Oops, Entertainment. Wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mac. I just had to break Carl's streak, so I had to be rough on him. She posed for the cover of GQ magazine at the age of 39. Real or ridiculous? Say real. (sighs) GQ. No, it's it's a men's magazine. 
I'll say ridiculous. That's right. It's a men's magazine. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right. <laughs> she posed for Playboy, though. <laughs> well, I still got you, Carl. <laughs> he likes to play in both. Look, hey, you know what? I only missed two out of nine. It's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. Mm. But the winner here is Mac. Yes, because he is. you have won the desktop indoor weather station. It's brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. They are the 60-minute men. Visit American AmericanWeatherMakers.com. Thank you, Mac, for calling. You are going to love your desktop indoor weather station, and I appreciate your, your calling in and playing the game. You're quite welcome. <laughs> Take care. You're a good sport. All right, Mac. He's a big winner. 312-981-7200. That's our text in line. We're here for another 45 minutes. When we come back tonight, we have, oh, two episodes oh, both. of Lucille Ball. Yeah, this is like night in heaven for yeah. me. We've got Suspense. It's starring Lucille Lucille Ball, and we have My Favorite Husband, which stars Lucille Ball, so this yeah. is kind of a And Richard night. Denning, who was right. on Mr. and Mrs. North earlier right. today. so it's a big night. Oh, yeah, you're not going to want to miss Suspense All right, Lucille so I'll Ball be here. and My Favorite Husband. <laughs> I'll show up. But right now it's time for Mr. President. This was a historical drama series uh, heard on ABC from 1947. All the way until 1953, each week, Edward Arnold starred in a dramatized incident in the life of one of the men who held the office of President of the United States. Now, the dialogue is really interesting, Lisa. The dialogue was written in such a way as to not reveal the name of the president until the last line of dialogue giving listeners a chance to guess who he was. It was created by Robert G. Jennings, and it featured radio's top supporting players. So we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to guess who the president is Edward Arnold is playing. Let's go back to August 6, 1950. This is called Hold the Lion. Here's part one now of Mr. President. The following program is transcribed. The honor of my country shall never be stained by an apology from me for the statement of truth or the performance of duty. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President, at home and in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor, these are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House, dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. In a moment, we'll bring you Edward Arnold as Mr. President. But first, let's take a look at the job that Thomas Jefferson described as a life of splendid misery. The tasks of the presidency have become steadily more complex, the responsibilities greater. Constantly with the president are tremendous matters of state, an endless chain of problems to which he must devote his time and energy. Exceptional fortitude is needed to withstand the strain, and the president is required to maintain a statesmanlike front under varied and trying conditions. It is the human side of the presidency that we emphasize in our stories by the kind of penetrating drama that reveals the man rather than the office holder. 
In portraying Mr. President, Edward Arnold gives us some of the warmth, the vitality, the heartaches, and the humanness of those men who have held the highest honor our country can offer. And now listen and see if you can name the president upon whom the episode is based. Here's a story that happened in Washington a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the president was. It was early in the morning, but already the president was having his troubles. Well, Mr. President, as your Secretary of State, naturally I'll do whatever you wish in these matters. But Monsieur Serrurier begs that you consider France's position. No, I've given France all the consideration I intend to give. They have owed us money for years and for years. The only payment we've been getting is evasion, evasion, evasion. Now... They signed a treaty with me agreeing that they would pay us 25 million francs in six annual installments, didn't they? Yes, they did. And in return, we agreed to lower the duty on French wine, which we did, didn't we? Yes, we certainly did. All right. Now then, we sent a bill to France for the amount due and they didn't pay it, did they? No. All right. Order the Navy ready for sea duty. Now then, what's the next matter I have to take up this morning? Order the Navy ready for sea duty. Are we going to declare war on France? We're going to get our money. You can tell Monsieur Serrier to advise his government of that. Now then, what else do I have to make a decision on this morning? Well, there's the matter of Bashaw Mamoun. Who? Bashaw Mamoun. Who in the world is Bashaw Mamoun? <laughs> Bashaw Mamoun is a male lion on the coast of Africa. Well, what in the world has a male lion on the coast of Africa got to do with me? He belongs to you. He what? He belongs to you. Oh, you're crazy. I shouldn't be a bit surprised. <clears throat> but whether I am or not, Bashaw Mamoon is a magnificent specimen of the lion. And he's waiting now for word from you as to what your pleasure is as far as he is concerned. You've been working too hard. Let me read you part of this letter from James Lee. James Lee? Yes, our consul at Tangiers. He's been presented with an enormous lion and two fine horses. They're a gift to you from the Emperor of Morocco. Well, tell him to thank the Emperor and uh, give them right back. How many times do I have to tell our men abroad that they are not to accept presents from any foreign state? Mr. Lieb advises us here in his letter, and I quote, The presentation of a lion, which is held in high respect by the Moors as the king, or according to their expression, the sultan of animals, mm -hmm. is the highest compliment the emperor pays. And any such present cannot be declined without the grossest insult to an eastern sovereign. Mm. Isn't it nice to be so popular? Problems, problems. My life used to be so simple before I was president. I'd rather face the problems of the battlefield any day than face the problems of the executive mansion. But what am I going to do with the lion? Mr. Leap suggests that the lion be put in a national menagerie. Well, I'll take the matter up with Congress and uh, see what they suggest. John, you'd better have another conversation with Monsieur Serrier about the French situation. I'll take care of that immediately, Mr. President. Thank you. Ah, Mr. President. Oh, Monsieur Serrier. I was just sitting out here reading. Sit down, won't you? Sit down. Well, this is a piece of luck. I was just coming from a conference with Mr. Forsyth, and he told me of your uh, displeasure with France. I feel very strongly about this matter, Monsieur Serrier. Oh, Mr. Forsyth left no doubt about that. But I had hoped that the United States might pursue a more 
shall we say, discreet costs. Well, Monsieur Serrurier, we've been trying to get our money discreetly for some time now. That hasn't worked, so I'm afraid we just have to take the bit in our teeth and discretion be hanged. Is it your wish to go to war with France, no, no. Monsieur President? No, no, Monsieur Serrurier. It is merely my wish to collect the money that is due us. It would be nice if we could do it peacefully. But if we can't, we aren't going to stand for any more hemming and hawing. But you have always seemed such a friend of France, where you are even the godfather to the king of France's youngest subject here in Washington. Do you know, Monsieur Serrurier, if a friend owes me money, I expect him to pay me much faster than I would expect payment from an enemy. I do consider myself a good friend of France, and I hope your country isn't taking advantage of the fact. Mr. President, France never takes advantage of anyone. Why, from what country did Lafayette come to aid you in your struggle for freedom? Monsieur Serrurier, we admit that, but we still want our money. But these things take time, Monsieur President. Yes, sir, I've noticed. Oh, pardon, sir, you, you dropped your book. Hmm? Uh, permit me. Oh. Oh. Hmm? Oh, you look startled, monsieur. Well, it, it does seem to be a rather peculiar book for you to be reading. The Care and Feeding of Lions. No, not at all, not at all. I've newly become a father to one. <laughs> what? Yes, a gift from the Emperor of Morocco. Congress is having a meeting now trying to decide what to do with it. But in the meantime, the lion has been put on board the William Tell and is on its way here. Is it a uh, man-eating lion? I'm not sure, but according to a completely unverified rumor, it is quite partial to Frenchmen. No. Yes. <laughs> Mr. President, I do not think the situation with France is one that calls for liberty. <laughs> Probably not, Monsieur Scurrier, but my time is so split up between the problem of the French death and the problem of the lion that it's very difficult for me to keep them separated. And of the two, do you know the lion is really more of a problem? I know what to do about France, but for the life of me, I still haven't figured out what to do about the lion. Well... Maybe Congress can help me out. Gentlemen of the House of Representatives, it is my personal opinion that the safety of our agent in Tangiers depends upon the safety of the Emperor's gift lion in this country. John, that is absolutely fantastic. Well, fantastic or not, Mr. President, you'd better take good care of that lion. What does the House advise me to do? Uh, the House hasn't made a decision. But the committee advises that the animals be sold and the proceeds deposited in the Treasury. Well, according to the report, that might mean our representative in Tangiers might be sold and the money deposited in the Emperor's Treasury. Oh, I hardly think that, Mr. President. Why couldn't he have chosen to give me some, some other kind of a gift, like handkerchiefs or something? <laughs> Why a lion? Oh, well, what does Congress intend to do about it? Oh, Congress has voted to adjourn. They what? Congress is adjourning. The problem still exists when they reconvene, they'll take it up again. Well, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Congress adjourns and leaves me with a man-eating lion on my hand. <laughs> Well, if that animal arrives here at the executive mansion, I'm liable to adjourn, too. Permanently. <laughs> I'd better eat very sparsely for the time being. I don't want to look too appetizing.
let me see. What else do I want to say in this message to Congress? I've been making so many notes on the subject all summer that if I included them all, it would take them a whole week to read the message. Well, they're all rested up after that long vacation. Yes, well, thank goodness they're back and that lion didn't arrive in the meantime. They hoped he would, though. Oh, don't think for a moment they didn't. They hoped they wouldn't have to face the problem. Well, all the problems they adjourned from are still here. The lion, France, and me. Where was I in that message? You stopped with... The time has come. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The time has come to take redress into our own hands. After the delay on the part of France of a quarter of a century in acknowledging the claims by treaty, it is not to be tolerated that another quarter of a century be wasted in negotiation about the payment. And in view of... Yes, come in. Oh, come in, John, come in. Here. He's coming into port. He's here. Who's here? Bashaw Mamoon. The lion? Yes. The ship's just coming into port. Uh, what do you want done with the lion? Well, don't bring him in here. Well, aren't you coming down to meet him? No. Well, he does, in a way, represent the Emperor of Morocco. Now, let's not take the attitude that this is a representative of the Emperor of Morocco. This is a gift from the Emperor of Morocco. And I'll have to decide uh, what its disposal will be. I said, sit down, John, sit down. I'm trying to finish my message of France. Where was I? It uh, is not to be tolerated that another quarter of a century be wasted in negotiation about the payment. In view of... Oh, yes, yes. In view of France's continued violation of lions given through... France's continued violation of lions? 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 Who said anything about lions? Keep your mind on the subject, will you? Well, well, sir, you said... uh... I'm talking about France, not a lion. You'll have to pay closer attention. Oh, don't let the lion upset you. Uh, after all, what's a lion? <clears throat> Let's get on with the message. Uh, in view of France's continued violation of... Oh, oh uh, yes, yes, yes. In view of France's continued violation... Now what? Am I interrupting something important? Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Mary. Good evening, everyone. Uh, how's the baby? We couldn't be better. I brought you over some jelly. I made it yesterday afternoon. I thought you might like some. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before you put this down, is this a personal gift from you to me, or is this a gift from France to America? What on earth? Well, we can't be too careful. Since you married that member of the French legation, I have to scrutinize everything you and I say or or do very carefully. I don't want to create an international incident. But we're old friends. You were at my wedding. You're... My baby's godfather. But that godchild of mine is a subject of the King of France. Monsieur Serrerier reminded me of that just the other day. Well, the jelly is purely a personal gift from me to you. Then I'll accept it and enjoy it. Good. And I'll run along. I can see that I am interrupting something here. I did want to tell you that I've had some letters from some of Alphonse's relatives in France. And they just love this country. They aren't in sympathy with the French government's attitude about the debt at all. Oh? And, um, uh, it would be a shame to declare war on France when, when the people aren't at fault, uh, <laughs> wouldn't it? Why, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you little agent, you. Mary Louis Pajot, I'm surprised at you. What are you two laughing at? <laughs> that French husband of yours and that French superior of his, Monsieur Serrurier, sent you over here, didn't they? I told them you'd see through me right away. (laughs) But honestly, they say that if you just wouldn't make an issue of things right now, things would be much better all around. Well, they'd be better for France, but we'd never get our money. 
Monsieur Sorier says that the French Chamber of Deputies didn't make the appropriation for the money. And there's nothing that can be done until they do appropriate the money. Well, maybe our Navy can persuade them to do it. You couldn't possibly be a little less firm about it just now? No. France gave her word to pay if we reduced the tax on the wine. We kept our part of the bargain and she has to keep hers. Well, I'm sure she will. Well, if you're sure, that's more than I am. Now, Mary, you go back and tell those French accomplices of yours they're not to use you anymore as an envoy. You're welcome here as a friend, but not as a representative of France. All right. I'll tell them. <laughs> I knew that's what you'd say. It didn't hurt to try. Good night. Good night, Mary. Good night. Good night. Uh, it'll be a miracle if I ever get this message to Congress finished. Now, tell me, where was I? You were recommending that a law be passed authorizing reprisals upon French property. Oh, yes, 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 I know. In case provision shall not be made... That's the front door. Now, who on earth could that be? I'll go. Would you please? Now, of course. Let's see now. I think we, we should say... Uh, uh, this law is not made with any intention of offending French honor... How does that sound? It sounds right to me, Mr. President. Okay. Shall I put it... What's that? Oh, huh? Mr. President! Guess who's here? Oh, get this down in case some power beyond my control should keep me from finishing it. France should look upon this law only as the evidence of an inflexible determination on the part of the United States to insist on their rights. Mr. President! What? Your friend is asking for you. I'm coming, John. I'm coming. Not with enthusiasm, mind you, but with the fortitude of a man determined to do his duty. And that's the first portion of Mr. President. show called Hold the Lion from August 6, 1950. It's heard on ABC. You can hear the studio audience in the background there kind of laughing at uh, some of the funny stuff. Um, who is the president on here, Lisa? Don't tell anyone if you think you know. Our listeners are trying to guess, and we'll find that out after news. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. The actors from Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and Chicago Med have once again joined forces to help out a local nonprofit called Patrick Lives On. On Saturday, September 7th at the Chop Shop at 2033 North Avenue, the actors will participate in a special photo opportunity for VIP guests, followed by performing in a variety show. All proceeds go to helping local kids in the suburbs and Chicagoland area participate in after-school activities, keeping them safe and away from gang violence. Visit www.patrickliveson.org to register and win two VIP tickets. All right. You ready, Lisa, for the conclusion now? Yes. To Mr. President, who is the president here on this? I'm guessing it's not Ronald Reagan, because this was broadcast (laughs) in 1950. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good guess. Probably not George Bush. Well, we've Probably had a few not guesses. Clinton. We've had a few guesses, and none of them are correct yet. Probably so I not. I will say that. Uh, Barack Obama. And probably not uh, Donald Trump. And probably not Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't think it's any of them. So it could it who could it be? Well, definitely not them. All right, we'll find <laughs> out. Here's uh, let's get back now to Mr. President. <laughs> 
have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It did happen, you know, in Washington just a few years past. Well, the lion was caged and seemed quite content about the whole thing, but the situation with France was bad. France took exception to the president's message to Congress, as Monsieur Serrurier had warned they would. And Monsieur Serrurier himself was recalled to his country. As charge of affairs, Alphonse Paggio moved up to the position of France's diplomatic agent in the United States. Between France and the Emperor of Morocco's lion, Congress and the President were kept very busy. The Committee on Agriculture recommends that the lion be given to Peel's Museum in New York City and that the horses be presented to a New York Agricultural Society. Object! Object, sir! Why should the richest state in the Union be the subject of these gifts? Let them be presented to Louisiana. Well, why should Louisiana be the favored state? Does the representative from Alabama desire the lion for that state? I have no intention of accepting the lion for Alabama, nor do I have any intention of giving it to New York. Well, sir, how about this? I move that the lion be presented by the president to the king of France. (laughs) Well, now, gentlemen, if we presented the lion to France under the present circumstances, we would certainly be at war. No, gentlemen, I move that the horses be sold and that we present the lion to a suitable institution uh, chosen by the president. Now, that's very simple, isn't it? All you have to do is present the line to a suitable institution. That's going to be just as much of a problem as anything else. What exactly is a suitable institution? And in what state? Yes? Uh, Mr. President, Monsieur Pazio, the French legation is asking for an audience. Well, have him come in. Now, what's happened? I understand that France has been sending troops and ammunition in greater quantities to her naval stations in the West Indies. Good day, Monsieur President. Yeah, good day, Monsieur Pajot. Uh, Monsieur Versailles. How do you do, Monsieur Pajot? Uh, Monsieur President, I have here an unofficial letter from the Duke Achille de Brolier, the French Minister for Foreign Affairs. Well, that's nice. How is the Duke? Uh, he is well. Uh, this letter is what you might call an unofficial official letter. The Duke speaks as a private person. Uh Uh-oh. What does the Duke want? Well, as you know, France has said that nothing will be paid on the French debt until the satisfactory explanation is received of the, uh, the language of your message to Congress, Monsieur President. So? So, the Duke suggests that such an explanation would immediately dissolve any thoughts that an... uh, Insult to France was intended. Would you care to see the letter? No, I would not. Uh, Would you care to receive the letter as Secretary of State, Monsieur Forsyth? No, indeed. No foreign nation has any right to interfere in a message sent to a a branch of this government by the president of this government. What I say to Congress concerns Congress and concerns me. It does not concern France. What you're really asking for is an apology, Monsieur Pajot. That's right. And the honor of my country shall never be stained by an apology from me for the statement of truth or the performance of duty. Now, Monsieur Pagion, I have ordered our representative in Paris to say that we are waiting payment of the debt. I have instructed him that if in five days no arrangements are made for payment, he is to close the legation and come home. Then I must also ask for my passport, Monsieur Pagion. I'm sorry, Monsieur Pagion. But things seem to have reached an impasse between our countries, and you must do as you think best under the circumstances. Good day, Monsieur President. Monsieur Forsyth. 
Good day, Monsieur Pasha. Oh, and uh, give my regards to your wife and to my godson, will you? Yes, Monsieur President. Good day. Good day. Nice boy. I'm sorry to see him and Mary leave this country. Uh, so will I. But I don't intend to be outbluffed or outmaneuvered by France, and I don't intend to apologize. How is your uh, lion? Oh, a lion. <laughs> I took him some food yesterday. I think he's beginning to recognize me. <laughs> uh, he didn't roar yesterday when I came. He, he looked actually quite benign. You know, I'm getting to the point where I hate to hear that door knocker. I'd like to see the President of the United States. Now what? Never a dull moment in this house. Mm. Uh, Mr. President, there's a lady who wants to speak to you about the lion. The lion? Uh, yes, she'd like to have it. Well, sure in, sure in. You can go right in. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Mr. President, this is too kind of you. Too, too oh, kind of you. This is Mr. Forsyth, the Secretary of State. Mr. How do you do, Mr. Forsyth? I'm so happy to meet you. Uh, Mr. President, I am the chief directress of an orphan asylum, and I do hope you'll give me that lion. What for? The children. Sweet, dear children. You want me to give that lion to an orphanage? What would they do with it? I think the lion could be sold at public auction and the proceeds could be divided between the Washington City Orphan Asylum and the St. Vincent's Orphan Asylum. Well, now, that might not be a bad idea. I think it's an excellent idea. I'm sure Congress and the Emperor will agree. Both orphanages do need the money. John, you draw up an order at once and we will present the lion to this lady immediately. Oh, Mr. President, you're so kind, so very kind. I'll have all the orphans come in person and thank you. No, no, no. Oh, that I won't be necessary, thank you. I'm happy to dispose of the lion and to dispose of him in a way that will be of benefit to the children in your care. You've done me a real service in coming here this morning, ma'am. Yes, you've solved the problem of the lion. Yes, and now all I have to worry about is France. Mr. President, England has offered to mediate between France and America. France has accepted the offer. Will you accept the offer? Yes, I accept. Good. France is convinced that the President of the United States did not intend an insult in his message to Congress. Payments on the debt to the United States will be made at once. Well, John, I guess we're out of the woods. Yes. The new French minister will be calling any moment. Uh, I think it was a good idea to ask for a complete change of staff in each legation. That way, we start with a clean slate. How much money have we received from France? Four back installments with interest. You see, they paid as soon as they saw we meant what we said. That should be the new French minister. You know, I'm anxious to meet him. I hope he's going to be a good fellow to get along with. Monsieur President. Monsieur Pagiot. Hello, Mr. President. Mary, what does this mean? It means that Alphonse is the new minister to America. Isn't it wonderful? We got to come home. Now, what kind of a trick is this in the part of France? It was clearly understood that there, there were to be new representatives in each country. Mr. President, I thought you liked Alphonse. I do like Alphonse. That isn't the point. The point is that France made an agreement that hasn't kept uh, it. Mr. President, no. uh, this was not France's fault. It wasn't? No. And whose fault was it? Well, I'm afraid it was mine. And Major Lewis and Mary Lewis Pajot's fault. You see, I, 
I wanted to be at home. And Major Lewis wanted his daughter to be home. And I wanted to see Major Lewis and Mary happy. And I wanted your godson to grow up near you. So, thinking this would be a delightful surprise to you, without the knowledge of Monsieur Pajot, who is completely blameless in this, we sent word to the king that if he sent Monsieur Pajot as the new minister, this would be a gracious way of paying you a very nice compliment. The king was just trying to be nice. And so were we. Well, well, you connivers, you schemers, you plotters. Please, don't be mad. I find myself in a position somewhat embarrassing, Monsieur President. I did not realize I was not wanted. Not wanted? I'm delighted. They really put one over on you and me, Alphonse. But let me tell you, this is the nicest thing that's ever been put over on either one of us. Welcome home, my children. Welcome home. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Good afternoon, Mr. President. What are you reading? My book on the care and feeding of lions. What are you reading that for? You know, I became very, very much attached to that lion, and I intend to keep my eye on him. You know where he is now? Oh, yes, yes. I got a card from him this afternoon. <laughs> you did? Let me see it. Well, I'll read it to you. Lion, Emperor of Morocco. This distinguished visitor, richly entitled to be considered the first among his peers, being on a visit to the metropolis of the Union, will be at home at his present residence on the corner of 12th Street and Pennsylvania Avenue at the Fountain Inn kept by John Douglas. Well, are you going to call on him? I certainly am. I'm going to take him a bottle of some kind of oil or other. I thought his coat was a little off-color the last time I saw him. I certainly never thought I'd see the time when you'd be worried about a lion. <laughs> Anything I do, I intend to do to the best of my ability. That lion is going to have the best of care, or his name isn't Bashaw Mamoon, and mine isn't Andrew Jackson. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another exciting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. This program is produced and directed by Joe Graham. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM picture Annie Get Your Gun. Heard with Mr. Arnold in today's cast were Inga Adams, Eric Dressler, Kermit Murdoch, Ian Martin, and your narrator Dwight Weist. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President Andrew Jackson. Sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. The preceding program was transcribed. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That's Mr. President with Hold the Lion, Edward Arnold, starring there as. 
Andrew Jackson. We had a lot of guesses. I don't think anybody guessed it correctly. They didn't guess good old AJ? They didn't. But, no? Um, My pal AJ. Pal, he and I used to hang out a lot everybody together. Everybody seemed to love the show, and yeah. uh, hopefully we'll be playing it again. I mean, he was a little episode. older than me, well, you know, but well, we used to hang out <laughs> together, me and AJ. Good old Andrew Jackson. That's a good show, right? Mr. Yeah, president? It's a great show. Going back to 1950, Edward Arnold each week played a different president on that show, and it always, the, the last line of dialogue gave the name, so you had the whole 30 minutes to try to figure it out. Yeah. And that was good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That kind of family oriented show, get the kids together. All right, let's, a little history yeah, you lesson. You can learn right? a little something along the way. Yeah, and Dwight Weist was the announcer yeah. on that. His daughter is the actress Diane Weist, and uh, she's in a lot of uh, the Woody Allen movies. Mm-hmm. She was in Hannah and Her Sisters, and she was in Radio Days. Yeah, Dwight Weist's um, daughter, Diane Weist. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. You know what, Lisa? I just found a show that's going to go in a future classic radio club um, you know, uh, 10 CD or 10 shows. I found a Time to Smile with Eddie Cantor that had, it was his 29th wedding anniversary, and he had everybody on the show Jack Benny, Groucho Marx, he had, you know, just Bob Hope is on it. I think Bing Crosby. He had a star studded 29th wedding anniversary show, and I think his wife Ida is on it as well. And it is hysterical, right? Perfect quality, right off the 16-inch disc. And uh, Mike is going to digitally remaster it. It's going to be a um, one of the shows we put. So this is the type, type of thing we do. When I find something really unique like that, I put it aside, you know, for the Classic Radio Club because our members get the best of the best. So you're always getting shows like Jack Benny and The Shadow, The Lone Ranger, Boston Blackie, the Whistler Inner Sanctum, but then, you know, the tried and true shows, Sherlock Holmes, Richard Diamond, but then there's always these little gems that I like to put in there and write about them and look them up and figure out why, you know, why did Eddie Cantor, that show, have all these guest stars, and uh, just, it's so much fun. I love being the curator of the Classic Radio Club. And I love picking the shows and writing about them and then sending these uh, shows. And we get so many hundreds of emails and texts from people that are in the club. And, oh, I love the selections this month. It's just, it's really rewarding. And it's only a dollar to join the club, and that will give you your first month's 10 shows. And I know Ben said that he has 100 pennies, so he's going to be our newest member. You know what, Ben, for you, 99 cents. Oh, wow. You can save I'll the put penny. In the, I'll put in the last that penny That was nice you. of you. Yeah. You know what? Carl's very generous that way. He's right. like Just that with me, too. 99 cents, and I'll give you a <laughs> um, penny towards so it. So he's going to be our newest member, but we're hoping that you'll consider joining as well. Um, it's a buck to give it a shot. If you love it, you can stay in it. If you don't, then... You don't have to stay no, in you it, can no problem. But we're anytime. pretty sure you're going to love it. This we have a like, lot of people who love yeah. the classic radio. You know, club. remember Ben? I don't know. This might have been before your time, but there was like the Columbia Record House type of thing. This is oh, sure. not like that. This is, you know, the Columbia Record House. You'd pay a penny and you'd get all the shows, but then you were like locked in for all this time. No, that's not how this is. And, and like you said, you are the curator of this club, so you handle everything. This is all done. F- through you. 
Yeah. Through Carl. It's not some big company. No, I mean, I, I get back to everybody. If they have a question, I'm the one emailing and the, answering the questions. And he'll actually show up at your door. With the, <laughs> each person, he goes to each person's but door and shows extra, up with the that's CDs. That's an extra dollar. <laughs> it's an extra dollar, but Carl will but show I'll up drive, at your door. I'll drive See, that's, that's the deal breaker for me. Know, I'm not right? in if he's coming to my house. Listen, I, I shower <laughs> once a week whether I need to or not. So I'll smell nice when I get there. I wear cologne and everything. That's great. Yeah. And you got your lips in your shoes? Old Spice. (laughs) Speaking of Old Spice, that was one of the jokes on Baskets. He says, are you wearing, wearing Lady Old Spice? Oh, yes. Remember? Yes. That's a good one. It was the, oh, well, it's the Carl final. and I were just talking about baskets oh, because the final episode was yeah. this week, which Carl has not watched yet, but, so well, I'm dying to talk to you about it. Well, just in case uh, you want to join the club. Oh, it's, right, the club. It's classicradioclub.com, classicradioclub.com. Check it all out. And as yeah. I said, it's not like the Columbia Record House. If you join for a dollar... And you then it's nine ninety nine for the digital downloads. It's a little more for the CDs each month, but nine ninety nine. So ten less than ten dollars, you get ten shows plus liner notes every single month. And if you want to cancel, just cancel it anytime. Yeah, all the information's at yeah. the website. It's yeah. hard to follow Carl sometimes. So baskets, <laughs> baskets, baskets. Louis oh, Anderson's man. my favorite. Mrs. Baskets is one of my favorite characters ever on oh, television. Ken. And I miss her already, Gosh. or him, or whatever. <laughs> I actually miss her in my house already. I can't and the final scene of that, that I, I, I'm a was. big fan of um, of. Um, Oh gosh, what's her Martha. name? Martha, thank you. Yeah. Of Martha. And I, I love the final scene. And if you're a Baskets fan, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, you should check it out. It's on FX. It's had, with three seasons, I think was it? Was it was four. Four seasons? I think it was four. I'm, I'm really sad to see it go. So, yeah. I mentioned that. All right. Well, when we come back tonight, you won't want to miss it. Two episodes oh, with Lucille no. Ball. One is suspense with her. So, good mystery yeah, episode. Totally not what we expect from yeah. her, which is great. And then uh, my favorite husband, her radio series that uh, sort of helped uh, launch I Love Lucy and then she became Lucille Ball right. and the icon that she uh, she is